is it possible to hide from God? Pastor Xavier Reese with a revealing simple truth. Listen to Psalm 139.12. It says, Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. You is capitalized, God. But the light shines as the day. The darkness as the night are both alike to you. God does not need night vision. All secret sins will be disclosed, he says. One day, all words and deeds will be revealed at the judgment seat of Christ. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. How do you know if a politician is lying? Some say, when his lips are moving. Well, unfortunately, there is some truth to that old joke. But can the same thing be said of religious people? Today, as he continues his study series in the Gospel of Luke, Pastor Xavier uncovers the danger of hypocrisy. It's a somber warning to all who choose to fake a relationship with God. Join us now in Luke chapter 12 for today's important simple truths. Jesus has just been dining with a group of Pharisees and scribes, as you know, in the house of a certain Pharisee. And Jesus there exposed their false righteousness, declaring that they were like defiling tombs and pronouncing judgments over them. Jesus also pronounced judgment over the lawyers for their abusive burdens over the people and their interpretation of the law and being complicit to the murder of their fathers by building the tombs of the prophets. The end result was that Jesus was attacked with great hostility in an attempt to trap him in order to accuse him. Jesus now left this hostile environment and is before the crowds and his disciples, and he continues to proclaim the present kingdom of salvation and the second coming for judgment. You can trace this from chapter 11, verse 14. It goes all the way to chapter 13, verse 9. So Luke, this entire section, is not in chronological order as the middle portion of his gospel is in. And these things, you can find them in the other synoptics, but he just puts them in. They're not following order. But he, he categorized them in themes. So it's easy to lose connection if you don't realize that, that he's putting themes together. And here the unifying theme is being light to the world and waiting and watching, being ready for his second coming that's going to come back in judgment. And you'll see this weaved throughout. So if we keep that as a context, then we'll understand where he's coming from. And so what I want to do is look at verses 1 through 12 of chapter 12 here. As Jesus warns against hypocrisy, is followed by three reasons. First, God knows everything, verse 1 through 3. Secondly, God is to be feared above everyone, verse 4 through 7. And third, God is able to save anyone, verse 8 through 12. In both three connections, there's hypocrisy. Notice verse 1. The location was out of now in the open land. He's left the house. The occasion having left the house there with a certain Pharisee, the word says, in the meantime. Here, we don't know what length of time has transpired, but here is a transition implying the connection with what has just preceded. 
The situation was precarious, to say the least. There were crowds all about Jesus. It's described for us when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together. This was a sort of mob mentality, stepping on one another, trampling on one another. Now, we are very familiar with this, not alone just when there's violence or some kind of riots and that, but in a normal, what's supposed to be civil order. You know, Best Buy's is going to have a sale, and people spend the night to get first in. They open the doors. People just rush in. Do you think that they're saying, oh, yo, please, you first? No, they trample people, and people can even die. This is the scene. The instructions were to those who had believed in him in faith, notice. Jesus addressed his followers. He began to say to his disciples, first of all, he certainly had first the 12 in mind. He had chosen them after an entire night in prayer, remember, in chapter 6, 12 through 16. He was going to entrust them the early development of the church from Pentecost on. But he also, without doubt, included the many disciples following him that we've seen up to this point. He's already sent out the 70, as we saw earlier. And there were many more in the multitudes that were his disciples. Because the disciples said, should we call down fire from heaven? No, no, no. Either for us or against us. You know, if he can't do nothing good if he's against us. So there were many others. Now, notice Jesus warns disciples against the lifestyle of the Pharisees to impress or get things from men. This is the hypocrisy. The best illustration for hypocrisy is a weather vane. On one side, it's the truest instrument. It tells you which direction the wind is blowing. On the other side, it's a great illustration for people who are just into themselves. You've met them. You're talking to them. And you're talking about a certain subject or a certain thing, and they believe opposite to you. But you start sharing it, and they see where you're going, so they say, yeah, I agree with you. But they don't. They're weather vanes. They just turn. They're camellias. They don't have integrity. They don't have character. He's focusing on the sin of hypocrisy. Literally, pay attention to yourselves, it says. The precaution is for their own lives. He's talking to the disciples regarding hypocrisy, wearing of a mask to pass oneself off as something that you really are not, like in the theater, the frown and the smile. In verse 2 and 3, we have the revelation. It was that there was nothing hidden from God. In verse 2, one day all hypocrisy will be revealed at the judgment of God, Jesus says. All sin covered up will be uncovered, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed. The word cover means to conceal entirely. This form of this word appears only this time, one time in the New Testament. Then the word revealed, apocalypto, means to uncover, to lay open, or bear, or to unveil. It's the same word for the book of Revelation. Listen to Psalm 139.12. It says, indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you. You is capitalized, God. But the light shines as the day. The darkness as the night are both alike to you. God does not need night vision. He can see perfectly well in the dark. Everything. All secret sins will be disclosed, he says, nor hidden. 
that will not be known. The word hidden means secret. Luke 8, 17, 11, it's used. And the word known simply means to come to know, to understand and perceive the information. Romans 2, 16 says, In the day when God will judge the secrets of man by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That's the white throne judgment. We'll be looking into that a little more. We, the believers, go through the beam of seat of Christ that we will suffer loss for reward. Those who go through the white throne judgment lose their life eternally. There's a contrast. One day, all words and deeds will also be revealed at the judgment seat of Christ. Look at verse 3. Therefore, whatever you have spoken in the dark will be heard in light. You see, the non-believer doesn't really believe this. The non-believer believes, ah, you know, I just live, I die, that's it. There's no God, there's no judgment. Come on, let's get serious. What a shocker when he stands before God. In those words that he spoke in secret, they brought to light. And that's the idea, the shock of it. Words whispered to few. And what you have spoken in the ear in inner rooms will be proclaimed from the housetop. Whoa. <laughs> and God just blurts it out. What a shocker that all that you believed to be true was not true at all as a non-believer. You remember when we were studying kings, uh, the wife of um, Jeroboam arose and went to Shiloh and came to the house of Ahijah. And uh, he was going blind, it says, but Ahijah could not see, for his eyes were glazed by reason of his age. Now the Lord has said to Ahijah, here is the wife of Jeroboam coming to ask you something about her son, for he was sick. Remember, she was going to find out if he was going to live or die. And thus and thus you shall say to her, for it will be when she comes in that she will pretend to be another woman. And so it was when Ahijah heard the door, he said, Come in, wife of Jeroboam. Why do you pretend to be another person? For I have been sent to you with bad news. 1 Kings 14, 4 through 6. Here she went out of her way to disguise herself and all that. And Ahijah, he's blind. And before she even entered in, Hi, wife of Jeroboam, how you doing? God gave him a word of knowledge. The sin of hypocrisy is to cause a person to be disgusted and desire that the person be exposed. That's the natural response. We're creating the image and likeness of God. We are moral and we're ethical. Now we are fallen and we corrupted, but we do have that potential capacity. At one time, this was the um, moral and ethical response in America and the church. Now our nation has become an amoral society you fill in the blank, it's subjective. There's no absolute right or wrong. Judgments cannot be made. And so our nation, as well as the church, has become very politically correct and subjective, which brings utter destruction to a society, as we're seeing. It disintegrates. Because nobody can do anything, because no one can make a judgment on anything, and nobody can blame anybody for anything. Listen to James 3.17. He says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. 
This is the new potential we have in Christ. We still have a sin nature, so we have the potential for hypocrisy, so we must guard against it, and when we fall prey to that, we must deal with it first with God and then with the person. Very, very clear. The destructiveness of words is well known by every one of us if we've lived long enough in the world. While pretending to be otherwise, backbiting, slandering, false accusations, rumors, anger, bitterness, revenge, whatever it may be. Let me give you some um, verses on this. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 10, 19. The words of talebearers are like tasty trifles. Ooh, we like them toasted, buttered. And they go down into the inmost body, Proverbs 18, 8. And somebody starts to give you one of these tasty trifles. You're to say, wait, 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 wait. Are you gossiping? Oh, no. What are you doing? Stop them. Dead in their tracks. But is my wife good? Do it. But is my husband good? Do it. You don't go along with it. Do you see a man hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Proverbs 29, 20. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. A terrifying verse. At the white throne judgment, Revelation 20, verse 12. It says, And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things that were written in the books. This is the non-believer's judgment, the white throne judgment. This is not the believer's judgment. Books, everything, words, deeds, acts, everything. Anybody who thinks that they're not going to face God are going to be shocked. The believer, as you know, is a new creature, and therefore, he's to speak and to live differently into the glory of God. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. I have to work at this. I have to pray the Lord put a door on my lips. Guard my heart. Doesn't come natural. The words of a man's mouth are deep waters. The wellspring of wisdom is a flowing brook. Proverbs 18.4. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and settings of silver. Proverbs 25.11. Very valuable gold and silver. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Colossians 4.6. Salt preserves, purifies. But I say to you that for every idle word, Men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment, Matthew 12, 36. God knows everything. Nothing escapes him. It may escape you. You may have forgotten about it, but not God. Second reason he gives against hypocrisy is that God is to be feared above everyone, verse 4 through 7. In verse 4, the disciples were not to fear men and act like hypocrites and pretend to be faithful to Jesus, even under persecution. They're addressed with affection by Jesus. 
Jesus is the ultimate authority. Don't miss this. And I say to you. So these are the words of Jesus speaking to his disciples. He calls them friends. He also mentions that in John 15, 14, and 15. No more servants, but friends. They're not to fear what man can do in his tribunal judgments, for he can only affect man temporarily. Now, he doesn't say not to fear man. He says not to fear man what man can do to the body. Okay? That's different because often we hear God saying, stop being afraid because there's a lot of fearful things in this life. And fear is a good thing. It tells you to get out of there if you can. Okay? The ultimate thing man can do to him is to take his life. Listen to his words. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body. This is the context. The ability of man to do anything else does not exist. That's the point. Listen. And after that, have no more that they can do. They just left the house of hostility. They're in the midst of this tumult of people trying to get to Jesus. He's headed for Jerusalem six months away to be crucified. He's preparing his disciples. The real loss is spirit regenerated by the new birth. And at death, my spirit, my soul will be instantly present before the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 2 through 8. Instantly. Notice in verse 5, they were to fear their creator who can affect them eternally. So not the one that can affect the body temporarily, but the one who can affect it eternally. The authority again is the supreme authority, Jesus Christ. But I will show you whom you should fear. As you know, Jesus is God incarnate, and he will show you who you could fear is an imperative command, not a suggestion. Jesus, as a man, knew what it was to be afraid, as you know, but he did not fear man. But there were fearful times in the life of Jesus. The garden is one perfect example as he's praying fervently. But he didn't fear man. Listen to um, Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus never asks you or myself to do anything that he has not done first. Then he enables us. The ability of God to do something after death does exist contrary to man. He says, fear him who after he has killed has power to cast into hell. The ultimate authority of God is to sentence a person to Gehenna. The word hell is Gehenna or the lake of fire. The final abode of a person and every person who dies without accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, having repented and having a transformed life. The Valley of Hinnom, or Gehenna's, south of Jerusalem, it was the trash dump of the city, a place where the burning. It was also a place of the worship of Molech in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 7.31, 1 Kings 11.7, and many other places where they worshipped and sacrificed their children in the arms of Molech burning red. Jesus said that Gehenna was a place of utter darkness, that the fire is never quenched, the worm never dies, and a place of gnashing of teeth. 
Gnashing the teeth is what the dentists tell you not to do when you're sleeping, grinding. What a vivid picture of the Valley of Hinnom, or Gehenna. Utter darkness, but there's fire. How can that be? Worm never dies, yet it's always burning. And the gnashing of the teeth is not the most comfortable thing to do, constantly. Jesus made this point in Matthew 10, Matthew 13, 24, Luke 13, many times about that. Jesus spoke more about hell than he did about heaven, if you count the times in the New Testament, because hell's a real place. And he doesn't want anybody to go there. And that's why he came, to make provisions so that you might repent of your sins and you might call upon his name. Now, the confirmation to fear God follows, yes, I say to you, fear him. Once again, I. Jesus said Gehenna is the real place and warns mankind about being eternally separated from God. So people say there's no such thing as hell. Uh, when I was in the world, the uh, group Blood, Sweat, and Tears used to have a song, I, there's no heaven, I pray there's no hell. Well, I'm here to tell them that there's both. And they know because they were raised in church. <laughs> people will explain it away. Oh, it's just a Christian myth. It's just to kind of just kind of mess you up in your fun in life. And, you know, no, it's more than that. It's real. It's truth. Jesus is the ultimate authority. If you say there's no hell and no Gehenna, then you're calling Jesus a liar. Plain and simple. Jesus is declaring it is a place of eternal torment. The unbeliever who declares himself spiritual, religious, and those are the labels today. They don't want to say they're Christian. They're, oh, I'm spiritual. Yeah. Light or darkness? Which one? Because today you can't make a judgment. And darkness is embraced as much as light. It's subjective. They have no idea of Gehenna. They have no clue of eternity. Gehenna was made for Satan and his angels, Matthew 25, 41 says. Not one human being. Yet multitudes will be in the lake of fire, Gehenna. All who reject Jesus Christ and die without being saved will stand before the white throne judgment in Acts 20 to give an account for their lives. And they will be sentenced to Gehenna, the lake of fire. Now, as there is different degrees of rewards in heaven, because God is holy and just and good, there will be degrees of punishment because God is holy, just, and good. And God certainly is not going to pass a verdict on a man who's just been a liar and a thief all his life to the same punishment that a murderer or a rapist would be sentenced. But the punishment will be according to the sins, deeds, and acts and words in perfect judgment. So there's no need for fear of being unjust. It's God who's judging it, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Hades and death will be cast into Gehenna also. This is the second death, the eternal death, Revelation 20 verse 14 tells us. God is to be feared above everyone, trusting Him. So that's the second reason He warns against hypocrisy. Because we have a tendency to want to give a pretense while not being real. 
When it comes to our relationship with the Lord, there's no room for faking it. That is, if you are serious about your eternal destiny. And that's the important simple truths Pastor Xavier Reese draws from our continuing study series in the Gospel of Luke. And you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's still much more to come right here next time as well. However, in the meantime, you can always pick up your own copy of this message. And the title to ask for is The Sin of Hypocrisy. It's available on CD, as usual, for only $4. Once again, you'll be asking for the message titled The Sin of Hypocrisy or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address, once again, is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com